Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition, the best edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and I'm not going to lie, it was kind of a quiet Thursday. We don't have any deep dives to get into on today's episode. A lot of small things to get to, though. A lot, a lot happened, just nothing big happened yesterday. And first, let's start with, I don't know, is this good or bad news, but debt is back. It is back, baby. Back in black or back in red, I guess would be the better term there. Uh, Anna Marie Andriotis, I think I'm saying that right, over at the Wall Street Journal reports that borrowing is back as signups for auto loans and credit cards hit record numbers. Now, not surprisingly, 2021 is very different than 2020. In fact, Andriotis, I'm going I'm to say it different every single time just to give you a heads up. She writes, consumer demand for auto loans and leases, general purpose credit cards and personal loans were up 39% in April compared to the April of 2020. Now, you might say, well, Tyler, 2020 was really weird. So, of course, the every number, the baseline effect, every number is going to be crazy. But in comparison to April 2019, the numbers were still up 11%. So these are big numbers any way you look at it. But here's the other thing. Lenders were kind of hoping for this. Lenders issued more general purpose credit cards than any other March on record, according to Equifax's data that goes back to 2010. But I mean, here's the thing. Lenders were actually hoping for this. So lenders issued more general purpose credit cards than any other March on record. That according to Equifax's data that goes back to 2010. But like I said, they kind of wanted this. Lenders mailed out 127 million personal loan solicitations to people's homes in May. That is up from 60 million a year prior. So they, uh, well, they, they wanted this. Now there's one thing that was concerning. And that was 1.4 million general purpose credit cards were given to subprime borrowers in March. That is up 28% from last year and up 25% from 2019. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you see subprime, anyone in the housing industry is going to have PTSD. It's going to just bring back horrible memories. So you never want to see subprime borrowers. So that's a little concerning. But here is the great news as to why this really probably isn't concerning at all. Because when I first saw this, yeah, I was a little concerned, but then I saw this interesting tweet from Robert Burgess, who was looking at recently released Fed data, and one of the categories was looking at household debt and basically a percentage of household income that is going to service that debt. And here's the thing. The numbers have collapsed in, in a good way. In that the percentage of people's income that is going to service debt has hit like a 30-year low. In fact, it's off about 37% from the high that we saw in 2007, which we all remember what happened in 2007. So in the last 14 years, that number has dropped off by 37%. And like I said, it is a low that we have not seen in 30 years since they started keeping data on this very stat. So this is great news. So yes, even though the numbers are up and people are gonna freak out because they're gonna see the headline and maybe read a little blurb here, they're not gonna know the data behind this, which is basically the Fed telling us that people are in some of the best financial situations that they have been in 
since they've been keeping data. I mean, the fact that the percentage of income is the lowest it's been in 30, 40 years, actually about 40 years, I think it was the 80s, is when they started keeping this data. That's, I mean, that's great news. So credit is back, debt is back, but don't worry (laughs) because we are in a great position consumer-wise. National debt, that's a completely completely different story and here's what's going to make having debt even better interest rates as we all know looking at the 10-year treasury a lot of interest rates follow the 10-year notes and mortgage rates are not immune they have also fallen for the second straight week that according to the latest data from freddie mac's weekly primary mortgage survey the 30-year fixed fell eight basis points to an average of 2.9 percent which is down from last week and of course last year when it averaged 3.03 percent and the 15-year fix fell six basis points to an average of 2.2 percent which is down like i said from last week and from last year when it averaged 2.51%. Now, Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said borrowers still have an opportunity. They have not missed it yet. The boat has not left the dock to take advantage of these historic rates. We expect economic growth to gradually drive interest rates higher, but home buyers and refinance borrowers still have an opportunity to take advantage of 30-year rates that are expected to continue to hover around 3%. And... It, it amazes me that there are still people out there that haven't refied, even though it's clearly been a great time to do it, but maybe people's credit wasn't so great, and maybe they've had an opportunity to fix that situation. So if you know anybody, tell them there's still an opportunity to refinance and take advantage of these historic rates. The uh, increase that everyone thought at this point would be happening still hasn't happened yet. And to be honest, I have no idea why. <laughs> Try and talk to someone in economics right now and have them explain why you're seeing treasury yields fall. No idea. <laughs> it's, everyone's just kind of scratching their heads. It is a very weird time. But take advantage. Take advantage of the weird time that we are living in. Uh, now, some more good news. A lot of good news here on today's episode. Great way to go into the weekend. Uh, jobless claims. Well, I guess actually this wasn't good news. I jumped the gun on that. It's actually, well, I guess you could say it's bad news. Jobless claims did increase for the week, but they only increased by 2000 so everyone thought the number was going to be around 350. It ended up being around 373 because of the 2000 uh, increase, I should say. It was higher from last week's uh, revised levels. But here is the good news. The four-week moving average did decrease, but only by 250. But that is the lowest level for this average since March 14th, 2020. Now, looking at the state-level data, the states with the largest increases were Puerto Rico at almost 4,100. Then you got New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York, and Connecticut. And the states with the largest decreases were Pennsylvania, Kentucky, California, Texas, and Michigan. During the week ending June 19th, all 50 states reported 5.8 million continued weekly claims for pandemic unemployment assistance benefits. So, like I said, it's not uh, great news, but at the same time, it's not horrible news either. So, And the four-week moving average was down, so I will take it as a win as we head into... Yeah, I'd love to see it at 350, okay? I would like to see that, but the fact that it only moved up a little bit, 
I don't know. I'll take it as a win here. Uh, I also want to talk real briefly. Uh, every week, in case you don't know, Realtors.com releases a weekly housing trend looking at just sort of what's happening with the national real estate market. And it's kind of par for the course this week, but some interesting data. Double-digit growth is slowing. Not falling, just slowing a little bit. It's not Prices aren't going to go backwards, but they're just not going to keep growing at the uh, double-digit rate that they have been growing. In fact, the median listing price was up 10.1% on an annual basis, but that rate is slowing. And in fact, they are saying we could see single-digit, oh no, only single-digit price growth as soon as next week. That would snap a 47-week streak of double-digit year-over-year appreciation. I mean, it had to come to an end at some point. So could that happen next week? We'll see. Uh, Now, new listings fell, unfortunately. Uh, New listings, the good news is, is that in the last 15 weeks, 12 of those weeks have seen an increase in listings. And we've heard people talk about, hey, we're seeing more houses on the market and we are actually seeing some more inventory and we are moving in the right direction. But going into the holidays is always kind of a weird time. And so new listings fell by about 3% compared to the last week. And if you want to read the full report, they also look at times uh, or time on market as well as active inventory levels. And you can read the full report. I link to it in the companion newsletter, which you can sign up for at marketsandmortgages.com. A link in the notes of this podcast. And before we go, we're going to do some optimistic or some forecast good news. Not forecasting, predict, predictive good news. Yes, we're, we're predicting that this might happen. So we know that before the pandemic, there's always been this sort of discussion about are we overworked? Is technology kind of creeps more and more into our lives and makes us easier to connect to work, the work-life balance is slowly kind of fading away. And so there's been this discussion about, do we need a five-day work week, the nine to five? You know, Is this beneficial for us? And there was a study that was actually done, a, long, a, a, a large-scale study that looked at the four-day work week. It was, took place in Iceland, and it was conducted from 2015 to 2019. And essentially what they did was they had people working weeks of 35 to 36 hours. So obviously less than the 40 hours with no reduction in pay. And the results have been analyzed for the first time. And what they found kind of interesting productivity and service provisions remain the same or improved across the majority of trial workplaces. Worker well-being dramatically increased across a range of indicators from perceived stress and burnout to health and work-life balance. And in fact, the trials were such a success that 86% of the country's workforce is now working the shorter hours or gaining the right to shorten their hours for the week. Now, could that come to the U.S.? I don't know. Like I said, I'm just... Throw it out there. It could be future good news for all we know. But there's no doubt that, you know, being more efficient with work versus working longer, but being less efficient uh, would be something that most people would probably enjoy. So could we see the four-day work week come to the United States? I don't know. It would definitely take a culture shift. No doubt about that. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back here on Monday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate, 
and wait.